0: The accolades keep on flying in for your Sacramento Kings. The all NBA teams are out. And yes, De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis are on the third team. Chris Biederman from the Sacramento Bee joins me to talk about that, the future of the Sacramento Kings, the next step for De'Aaron Fox, and more right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time, time
1: for another episode of Locked on King.
0: Hello and welcome into Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all off-season long. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use our code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off of your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports reporter and producer for ABC10. Congratulations, De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis. The Sacramento Kings are one of two teams to have multiple all-NBA players, the other team being the Boston Celtics with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. So the Sacramento Kings are in pretty good company. However, the Kings ended up being on the all NBA third team with names like Julius Randle and LeBron James, which is pretty significant. I think Jalen Brown was also on the third team, if I'm not mistaken. But either way, uh, this year is, I believe, the last year that it's actually going by position. Next year, it's going to be just the top 15 players uh, in the league. So uh, as Chris and I are going to discuss on today's podcast, I don't know necessarily if had it just been top 15 players, if both guys would. Have made it. I thought for sure Demontis Abonis was gonna make it just because there weren't three centers in the league that were better than him: Jokic uh and Joel Embiid for sure, one and two, which uh, they did make it, but Demontis Obonis was clearly the third best center in this league, so I thought he was a lock for the third team, and we've been talking about that for months. De'Aaron Fox was a question mark, just like he was a question mark for whether or not he'd be an all-star simply because of the amount of talented guards that are in the NBA. But it's great to see De'Aaron Fox make it. It's great to see when you look at the voters and the breakdown, the recognition that he got, he actually got a first team vote and got a a handful of second team votes. So it wasn't just like, oh, De'Aaron Fox just made it barely or just barely squeaked in compared to other guards. No, he got a a lot of votes and absolutely deserved uh, to be in that third team guard spot or point guard spot. Um, And now the question is what do De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis bonus, more likely Fox, what do they have to do to stay in that top 15 next year when it goes positionless? And what does De'Aaron have to do to get to the second or even first team? That's going to be one of the many things that, that, um, Chris and I discuss on today's Locked on Kings podcast. But as far as I know, I believe all NBA awards are the final awards that are coming out. So we know the Sacramento Kings are done and they cleaned up. Like there is no team that got more awards than the Sacramento Kings did executive of the year coach of the year. First time uh, that it's uh, unanimous. Uh, clutch player of the year with De'Aaron Fox, All-NBA for Fox and Sabonis. Sabonis, the rebound king or rebound leader, rebound champion. De'Aaron Fox, uh, uh, clutch player of the year, like I already mentioned. I think there's something that I'm missing. Oh, uh, Keegan Murray being named to the all-rookie team. Like the Kings cleaned up awards, and that's what makes this season so much fun, right? The Kings had such a great season, such a great turnaround, The one of the best offenses in NBA history. Like They deserved all the recognition that they got this year, and the recognition was nice, right? But now recognition going forward relies on results and relies on the Sacramento Kings getting better. So as much as the vibes of this year have been tremendous and fun and enjoyable, that's in the past. Like the, the all-NBA team coming out is, is kind of the final time or one of the final times that we can remember last season, be thankful for last season always, but the last time that we can really hone in on it before we, now that we're in the offseason, we start to transition for next year what's next for the Kings going forward. How do they go from good to great? Like now there are expectations, which is nerve wracking, but also exciting in so many ways. And that's another thing that Chris Biederman and I are going to talk about. So I think you're really going to enjoy my conversation here with Chris, if you want to share any of your thoughts on uh, Fox or Sabonis being ma- named to the All-NBA teams, uh, if you think they should have been higher or not should have been at all, let me know why at Matt George Sack on Twitter. Email me, MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com. Uh, you can also leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below if you uh, are watching on YouTube. And I think you're going to have a lot to, that you want to respond to and a lot that you want to say and share. Based off of my conversation with Chris. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy uh, this conversation with the Sacramento Bees, Chris Biederman. It's a pleasure to be joined by Chris Biederman from the Sacramento Bee after his first full season on the Kings uh, beat with uh, Joe Davidson, Jason Anderson, the rest of the great crew uh, over at the Sacramento Bee. Chris. Because it's topical, we're going to not spend our full time talking about this because I actually want to try to move away from just the positive vibes and, and focus on, okay, now how do the Kings build upon the season that they had? But the positive vibes continued The last really awards of the season with the Kings finding out that they had two all-NBA players, all-NBA third team, De'Aaron Fox, the starting guard, uh, and then the center being De'Aaron Sabonis. I think we knew Domas was kind of a lock for the position. De'Aaron was up in the air. Just your thoughts on, on the Kings getting another award or another couple of awards, another recognition, the first time in the Sacramento era that they've had two all NBA players, which is pretty significant given how good their teams were uh, in the early 2000s.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely think it's deserving. Um, I, You know, you, you have De'Aaron Fox, who was the best clutch player in the NBA throughout the entire season. Um, And really, like, that, that was sort of the thing with the Kings sort of a, a theme was they didn't really ride this roller coaster that a lot of their teams rode. Like they didn't miss any of their stars for substantial amounts of time. they weren't the warriors or the Clippers of the regular season where they were sitting so many guys and everything was, was sort of in flux. The team, the, the Kings were consistently one of the better teams in the Western conference throughout the regular season. Um, so I think they deserve to be rewarded for that. And Fox was just really steady, really reliable when he was on the floor um and he played uh, I forget how many games we didn't miss he didn't miss many um and and Demonis bonus, obviously playing through his injury leading the NBA in rebounding, um being I think he was top ten in assists I I just think that you know the uh the the Kings the Kings deserve all the recognition they got um but to your point coming in now it's it's not about you know getting that recognition anymore it's about how can they advance in the playoffs and eventually become a championship type contender.
0: I believe next year, all NBA teams are going away from position. They're just going to do three different tiers of, of basically the 15 best players in the NBA. This is kind of a difficult question to answer, but in your opinion, if that were the case this year would the Sacramento Kings have both of them in just one of them in? I think DeMontis Sabonis got in because he was the third best center in the NBA. And while he had an excellent regular season, I don't know if DeMontis Sabonis gets in over a couple other guards or other players in the league. If it's positionless.
1: Yeah. You know, that's a really good question. I'm not prepared fully to answer that. I haven't done the deep dive on the top 15 players in the league, but I would say given their impact on winning, you can make a pretty strong case that, that they're, I, I think Fox in particular is definitely one of the best 15 players in the league, just sort of holistically. Um, you'd have to do probably a deeper numbers dive with, with Sabonis and um, maybe there are, you know, defensive metrics that would detract from his case a little bit. But I, I just think in terms of like overall impact on winning, the fact that Kings were the three seed, the fact that they were consistently there, you know, Sabonis played in 79 games. Um, Fox played in 73 games so like that those guys were consistent for their teams they were they were there night in and night out the numbers back it up certainly with Fox the clutch stats back it up so bonus the rebounding and assists back it up um, and the field goal percentage back it up he shot 64% on twos in the regular season. So I just think that you know it. I I don't have a full definitive answer because I haven't done the deep dive on on who would be the top fifteen players in the league regardless of position. But I think they would absolutely be in that mix, and I don't think there was any, um. You know, I I think it absolutely tracks for them to to be third team All NBA this year.
0: The reason why I asked that question, it more has to do with De'Aaron Fox, even though I brought up to because well, for one, uh, De'Aaron actually received one uh. First team vote. I don't know who that voter was. Someone who's been watching Sacramento Kings basketball and really liked what De'Aaron Fox was doing. Uh, No idea who that could be, but De'Aaron got at least some of that recognition as one of the top players also got a, a, a pretty decent amount of votes for, for second team to me like uh, talking about the next step that De'Aaron Fox has to take. I don't know if the Kings need De'Aaron Fox to take that step in order to turn into that perennial championship contender that they're talking about. If De'Aaron plays at the same level for the remainder of his career that he played this year, I think the Sacramento Kings are in pretty good shape and I think he's proven he can be a number one on a, on a very successful team. But to me, like the next step is all about, no more of this fringe recognition, right? You, you became an all-star, not that it matters that much, but you became an all-star because you were a, a, uh, not a, even a reserve. You were an injury replacement. So to me, it's all about De'Aaron Fox getting to that level of no matter if he's an, in, uh, if he's a reserve or a starter, he has to be in the all-star game. Kind of the same way that people talked about like Dame Lillard is having such a good season, even though Portland is bad. Dame Lillard has to be an all-star and Dame did that with his scoring. So to me, De'Aaron Fox's next step is becoming a consistent 27, 28, 29 points per game score to where he can have those big fourth quarters, but maybe he enters the fourth quarter already with 20 points and that gets him into the mid to uh, mid thirties to maybe even flirting with 40, not on a nightly basis necessarily, but he puts himself in that position more often. Others have talked about him becoming one of the best two-way guards in the league. Mike Brown has talked about him becoming yeah. a steady, consistent defender. What to you is the next step for De'Aaron Fox to establish himself as absolutely a top 15 guy if it's positionless or an absolute all-star in the West?
1: Yeah, I, I asked Mike Brown like a question along those lines at his end-of-season press conference, and, and he said it was, you know, he hinted sort of at consistency, right? He said, whether it's um, whether it's practicing in the offseason or at practice with your teammates or a game against Washington or, you know, a game against the Lakers or the Warriors. Like you need to bring it every single night and have that same intensity every single night. And I think that was probably a criticism of Fox coming into the season was mm-hmm. that, yeah, this guy's talented, but does he bring it every single night? And I think we saw we saw him take massive steps forward in that department this year. With the Kings. And and so I, I think sort of those the, like the intensity that he has with his approach, the tone setting for the rest of the team, the fact that he is the leader and he's the guy that that his teammates are going to follow. Like you have to be able to bring it night in and night out in the NBA and be the best player on the floor every single night and not take any emotional nights off because, you know, oh we're playing. We're playing Charlotte at home um, and we're just going to show up and, and cruise to a win here like that. That was I think that was Mike Brown's messaging ab- about Fox and, and how he can take that next step, because, look, I, I think Fox, you know, and, and coming into the season like full disclosure, I was I was of the opinion that, you know, like th- this guy could could be West Coast John Wall. Like he might be just a super talented super physically gifted point guard, maybe not the best jump shooter, but like, is he a winning player? Can he develop into a winning player? And this year he really did. He developed into a winning player, not only with the clutch scoring and everything like that, but there was was the defensive stuff and he's just a lot better. And, you know, he has a size and length and athleticism to be a good defensive player, but it really just comes down to effort and energy on that end. And I think that's one thing that Mike Brown really, really harped on him. You know, like Mike Brown was talking about Fox and and the defensive intensity um, as often as anything else. And and Fox would even, you know, Fox after losses would often talk about defensive, the, the, their defensive play and just how they needed to improve there. Um, so I, I think that that emphasis just on like being the consistent guy night in and night out, knowing that you're the best player on the floor and playing like it, no matter who your opponent is, not playing down to your competition, but just playing up to the standard that you set for yourself. I think that's where Fox can really take the next step. And honestly, you know, it, it's third team NBA, like all NBA. Like, why couldn't he be, why couldn't he have the season that Shea Gilgis Alexander had this year, next year, right? Like why couldn't De'Aaron Fox be a first team all NBA guy? I think he absolutely could. And I, I just think there's, there's a maturation that's happening with him now. And if he does take that next step, maybe this playoff run um, you know, elevates him to that level. Maybe seeing what Steph did in game seven, put, put some, put, puts it in his mind that like no I, that, that's what it takes to be a championship type player. And ultimately like if you're champion, if you have a championship level focus, I know it's super cliche, but like been around athletes and uh, this is what they say. if you have a championship focus every day, then that's how you, you sort of take those incremental steps on On the daily basis, of when you play, you know when you play the Pelicans in uh, in January, like you're not just having these letdown games just because you are the better team and you should win on paper, which was the king's problem this year, right? Like they they had a handful of games where they just didn't really show up against inferior opponents. And those opponents beat them often on their home floor. And then you look at the standing, it's like, man, when have rather wouldn't you have rather played? You know, another team in the first round than maybe the Warriors. Um, if you were a better seed, obviously that's the Lakers, and that's who, who knows. But point being, like the, there were a handful of games this year where the Kings just didn't really show up and it ultimately hurt them in the standings. And so I think those are the areas where Fox can take on a, a better leadership role and be more of a championship type player. And maybe that would benefit them in the long run in terms of
0: the seeding in the playoffs and everything else. Coming into this season, one of the major points that I was making was, and it was a positive. De'Aaron no longer had to have big scoring nights every single night for the Sacramento Kings to have a chance to win, which was a positive. He was finally surrounded by a good supporting cast, but now the question is, If the Sacramento Kings are going to be a championship contender, which that's what Mike Brown is holding this team to the standard to, I think that's skipping a a lot of rungs up the ladder to go from playoff drought to first round exit to championship contender. But this team wants to get to the Western conference finals minimum. That's going to be their expectation for next year. So why not hold them to that standard? If they want to do that, if they want to accomplish that, it's not all going to be on De'Aaron Fox, but does De'Aaron Fox need to be that nightly 28 to flirting with 30 point score? And more importantly, If the Kings get into another Game 7 situation, it's very unfair to compare anybody to Steph Curry. But does De'Aaron Fox need to become that guy that says, get on my back, I will score 40 or 50 points if I have to in order for the Kings to get this win? Because you see guys like Jimmy Butler doing it right now in Miami. That's needed at some point in a big game in the playoffs. Can De'Aaron be that guy?
1: yeah, I think he can. I think he can. I, I it was I think it's a lot to ask a guy in his first ever playoff series to do. I that. agree. I agree. But um, he absolutely can, right? Like the like Darren Fox tied LeBron for the most points ever in his first ever playoff series, right? One hundred and ninety two points? I think it was. Um, so that's that you know that that bodes really well. Like he can score um with w- like anybody can, like with anybody. But I do think he needs to improve his jump shot. Um, obviously the finger was an issue late Mm -hmm. in the series, uh, with his handle and there was, excuse me, with his handle and there were some turnovers and, um, you know, that that were problematic popping up there, but no, I I think he can be that guy who can, you know, game six, game seven, you need 40, I'll go get 40. But I also think there's a maturation process with the rest of the roster, right? Mm -hmm. Like what's Keegan Murray going to look like next year? Is Keegan Mm -hmm. Murray going to take a big step and be somebody that can, can be sort of a go-to scorer who can score off the dribble, which we saw signs of. Um, But, you know, obviously he needs to improve that area. He needs to improve his handle. He needs to improve his finishing around the rim. Um, And if Keegan Murray can be that guy and be a secondary scorer for them, then that would be huge because it it lightens the load that you need off De'Aaron Fox's shoulders, right? Like what Steph Curry had in some huge games in the playoffs. He's had Clay Thompson get red hot in a bunch of game sixes, right? Like Steph can't do it. Steph isn't going to – no NBA player who's won multiple championships can just do it on their own, right? right. Like Jordan had Scotty. Like there's – you know, Kobe had Shaq. Like there's there's all these – Shaq had Kobe, however you want to say it. <laughs> there's all – you know, it, it takes multiple stars to win championships. Um, and in the playoffs, because teams are so good at game planning, you can make teams play um, – you know, with you, – you could make teams play one-handed essentially, right? It, like if you – if you take one star away, then it forces them to go another way. So that's what the Kings ultimately like. I think Fox is there. Fox is fine. I think it's about finding secondary scoring, whether it is Malik Monk, whether it is Keegan Murray, whether it is Domonis Sabonis. Um, obviously, his shooting was was a huge, uh, huge factor in, in the Kings losing that series. So um, Fox can absolutely be that guy, uh, but I'm expecting him to take the next step. But along with that, for the Kings to take the next step as a whole, it's going to take the rest of the roster to elevate and mature and be more reliable in those minutes because they can't just rely on one player if they really have championship aspirations.
0: Like I said at the top of the show, today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You don't have to stress anymore about getting to your favorite events, especially last minute. You can start getting hyped for just the fun that you will have at the event, an affordable fun compared to uh, other places that you can get tickets, other markets. Uh, Look, I've used game time, and it got me the best deal that I've ever gotten uh, for a San Francisco Giants game when I was covering the NBA playoffs in San Francisco when the Kings were there. We had an off day. I went to a Giants game, sat like 20 rows off the field uh, in the infield for like 35 bucks a pop. And I knew exactly what my view was going to be because of their amazing images and their accurate pictures of the seats. They have uh, last minute exclusive flash deals for tickets to sporting events, to comedy shows, uh, concerts, whatever it may be. The more you wait, the better deals that you can actually get. Like the, the tickets that I got were because of a flash deal there. They were normally like 60 $70 tickets for a weeknight uh, game against a, a, a non-divisional opponent. And I got them for... Uh, like more than 50% off, essentially. So, those are the kind of deals that you can get over at Game Time. If you download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA, you can get $20 off of your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. You were in Monty McNair's end of season press conference and you know Monty well he says a lot without saying anything he's a master at that a lot of general managers are I thought he tipped his hand a little bit though because he he spent a good amount of time talking about like this young core and the expectation of their continued growth and development which I thought was the same mindset that he had going into the trade deadline we have our group here we want to protect this group we believe this group is good enough to carry us through he was right at least for the remainder of the season and into the playoffs and securing that third seed do you think when he's looking at this team elevating to the next level, developing the next level. He has decisions to make this off season with guys like Harrison Barnes, Trey Lyles, et cetera. He has roster spots. He absolutely needs to fill. Like he does not, he only has like eight or nine guys under contract. So he has spots that he needs to figure out. But do you think he is going into this off season with the belief that the, the, the next step for this Kings team is going to come more from the players that are already here and less from the assets that he's going to add this summer?
1: Yeah because I like I don't think they're they have any interest in trading Keegan, right? So right. if you know like if you're trying to go get um I don't know, say say one of the Clippers guys, say Paul George requests a trade, right? Like the the first thing they're going to want it's when Keegan. the Kings is yeah, when the Kings call is Keegan. Um and I just don't think the Kings are going to do that because they are optimistic about Keegan. I, I don't know if they think he's going to get to the Paul George level. But Keegan could get to, you know, I, I don't know, max contract, but he could be somebody who's making $25 million a year mm-hmm. on his second deal, 25, 30, whatever. Like if he's if he continues the trajectories on and he is a 40% three-point shooter over multiple seasons and his handle improves and he starts scoring off the dribble and he plays better defense and he's a more physical rebounder, then that's, that's like kind of what a max player looks like, right? Like he, so Keegan could eventually turn into that guy. He could be – um, you know, I don't want to throw names out there, but he could be somebody who might not be an all-star, might not be all NBA, but could be one of your three or four best players on a championship team. So I I I don't think the Kings would necessarily part with that for more of a short-term answer for somebody like Paul George at the back end of his career has dealt with injury issues. But that's sort of the conversation the Kings are gonna are gonna have when they look at other teams and look at trade possibilities. So to me, I think you know when you look at the roster like yeah you want to bring back Trey Lyles you want to figure out if you can package Rashawn Holmes contract and maybe maybe you need to attach picks to it to to get off that 12 million um but if you're are, like are you bringing back Harrison Barnes and are you if not can you do a sign and trade so you don't just lose the asset right cuz Harrison Barnes can still probably command 15-20 million dollars a year um, and uh, I don't think the playoffs helped, um, helped his case to, to make a bunch of money, uh, regardless of who he signs with. Right. Like it, it's, it just wasn't a great series for him. Um, he missed that shot in game four. Uh, he didn't get a whole lot of minutes. And, and so, you know, maybe it like, can, can you, can you keep that asset and do a sign and trade? Can you get somebody like Cam Johnson? Can you maybe... You know, are you, is there a way to get somebody like OG Ananobi? I don't know if that's really possible. So I I think the Kings are sort of limited by what they're willing to give up in a trade in order to like, when it comes to making a sizable upgrade for next year. So I think it, I think McNair is probably smart and slow playing it and saying we have the guys And, and it really kind of hinges on Keegan Murray's development. Right, I think that's ultimately the most important thing. And and can you can you get Malik Monk to to take that next step and be um, a more consistent contributor, not somebody who's just a microwave scorer? Because Malik Monk's scoring in the playoffs was a huge problem for the Warriors. Mm. Um, and he is a playoff caliber offensive player. Um, and improved a lot defensively. Uh, when when the intensity ramped up there, so. Um, for me, like I don't know that there's a trade that you can make that's gonna bring in a sizable upgrade uh, without including Keegan. And if you're you know, if you're including Keegan, I think it's probably more of a lateral move long term, like even if you go get OG Ananobi or somebody like that. If you're including Keegan in that deal, I don't know that your future looks a whole lot different. Um, just because I it's probably just more expensive because you're taking you're taking a shooter, which is so important to what the kings do, off the roster. Um so, you know, I, I think if you keep Keegan, then it, then it's really all about, you know, can you do a sign and trade for Harrison Barnes? And can you get good value um, in that sign and trade if you don't keep him? Because like teams are probably hip to the to the Kings now. Right. Like they're not the the, the fact that the, the, the Kings were were able to get Trey Lyles in that deal and Dante DiVincenzo in that deal um, for for your guy. Uh, whose name is escaping me at the moment, Marvin Bagley. Um, I, I just, you know, I, I think, I, I don't think teams are going to be making those types of deals with the Kings this offseason. I think the Kings are not sneaking up on anybody. So I, I just think it's going to be hard for them to make an upgrade via trade that doesn't include Keegan Murray. So whatever they do with Harrison Barnes is going to have to be a really smart, really shrewd decision if they decide not to keep him. And, and maybe they just keep him. Maybe he wants to come back. Um, but I don't know, you know, what I'm paying Harrison Barnes to come back. I'm certainly not paying him $27 million a year um, based on the fact that he was he was not a core rotation guy in the playoffs. So I, uh, it's a tricky decision or it's a tricky process for them. But I'm ultimately to, to ranting here, but ultimately getting back to your question, I think it all it all depends on the development of Keegan. That's like really the most important thing for the Kings, in my opinion.
0: We have to move on here but to real quick put a bow on on the Harrison Barnes point do you lean one direction over the other just you personally like I would bring him back or I would look for an upgrade I mean you look for an upgrade would, anyway but you look for
1: an upgrade can you can you get Cam Johnson you know can like can you get somebody like that is PJ Washington an upgrade I don't know um do you want to reinvent the way you play like King's fans are not going to want to hear this, but like if say the Warriors lose to the Lakers, Draymond Green springs free, mm. and you're looking at Draymond, you like the possibility of adding Draymond Green at the cost of Harrison Barnes. Do you do that if you're the Kings? I would because I think Draymond would be perfect for what the Kings need. Mm. I think they lack a, a defensive presence and and any sort of enforcer, and they could use another playmaker. Um, but I would understand why Kings fans and or Monty McNair would would not want to do that deal but like there there could be options like that that come up um you know say the warriors lose and say they just they do decide to break it up or draymond decides to opt out of his opt out of his contract there's there they're going to be some interesting decisions out there i would try to upgrade it my biggest thing is is don't lose the asset like if he's going to a sign
0: and trade um don't just let him walk for for nothing the reality about next season is the vibes are over. Like, it's it's been good vibes. It's fun. We can always remember uh, this past season as, uh, like, the, the dawn of the beam and everything. The return to the playoffs. A wonderful season. So much fun in a lot of ways. But now you have to build upon it. And now you have to start analyzing everything under a microscope of, does this get you from good to great? Are you concerned at all by... Kevin Herter's future with the Sacramento Kings is a starting two guard based off of, I mean, especially you look at his playoff numbers. He's averaging 10 points per game. He's shooting less than uh, 33% uh, from three-point range over the course of his career. He was not good consistently through the entire playoff series. It's just one series. Kevin Herter was really solid for the most part during the season for the Kings, did have some cold stretches at times. Are you concerned about that position that starting too, or are you going into next season with confidence that he's he's an okay guy or the right guy at that spot for now
1: no i i think herder really i mean he's 24 years old he will be 25 next year um his playoff stretch was emblematic of the entire season whereas like he started off i think the first six weeks he was shooting like 50 yeah. percent <laughs> from three and then in february and early march he was down like in the low 20 percent from three and he's just a streaky shooter. And I could absolutely see a scenario where the playoffs come next year and he is in one of those hot streaks and he is hitting, you know, 50% of his threes in the series. Like I could see that. And and that just kind of happens with with shooters, right? Like they just they can be really streaky. And I think overall, I mean, he's still, despite sort of the roller coaster element that his season had, he still shot over 40% from three. And he had a career high 50 point two points per 15.2 points per game. So I just think, I think if next year is a big year for him, right? Mm -hmm. Like he needs to be better um, more consistently next year than, than he was this year. I think he's, he's what you want when it comes to a starting two guard in the league. Obviously you would like him to improve defensively, but he is still young. He's still just going to be 25. So he can improve defensively. He can be more consistent with the jump shot. Um, but if he does not take substantial steps in those areas this upcoming season, then yeah, maybe that's a spot you do look to upgrade. Um, but I think for right now, I think he's fine. Um, I, I think he's he's I don't know necessarily long-term building block, but he's definitely more than serviceable. Like I thought that trade was getting him for, you know, a conditional lottery pick was was a great, a great trade by Monty McNair, in my opinion. And they're shooting like his shooting along with Keegan's is so important to what the Kings do that you can't just punt on that unless you have a more viable alternative. And I don't know that there's that there are many 40% shooters out there that you can just go get. So I think you you hold on to him for right now and you just hope you, he he improves next season.
0: Finally, Chris, it's May 11th and I haven't even begun to look at the draft, which is wonderful. It's been enjoyable to not care about the draft as much as we normally do uh, at this time of year or even two, three months ago. Uh, however, The draft presents more opportunities for Monty potentially to move the pick. Who knows what he's going to do on draft night? Who knows who's going to be available at that spot? What the Sacramento Kings um, are looking to add? Do you have any... I guess opinion or, or belief of adding another rookie if mm-hmm. it's the right pick is is the right move for this team versus trying to use that pick. Now, granted, I believe because of the, the trading and the conditions on next year's draft pick that was involved in the Kevin Herter trade, I believe if I'm... Correct. The Kings can only really move it on draft night, which they could still package the pick and and either try and move up, try and move down, maybe attach an asset to it and try and go get a role player or something for a pick that's going to be in the, like the low 20 range more than likely. Is that the better route for the Kings to try and find someone who more fits the win now window? Or do you think adding another rookie, if it makes sense for Monty would be the right path that you would take?
1: Yeah. I mean, if you can get somebody who is sort of a known quantity, I think that would that would help because any pick in the the 20s is going to be a roll of the dice. Like obviously you don't know that anybody that you pick around there is going to be a a rotational player, let alone somebody you can rely on as early as next season. Um, So I would just, you know, whether it's trading for known quantity or using the pick, I, I just think they need athleticism on the wing. I think, um, you know, like somebody who like Kessler Edwards, for example, like if you can find somebody like that, like a three and D um, type wing who can who can match up better defensively than maybe what you got from Harrison Barnes or Kevin Herter or even Keegan Murray, um, then I, I think that's that's something you need to add to your team. And maybe, you know, I don't know if it's Terrence Davis's spot. I don't know if again it's it's hard to it's hard to look at a draft pick in the 20s particularly i, I don't think this draft class is considered super deep obviously it has it has victor and scoot hmm. but i don't know that you know there's going to be somebody in the 20s that you feel great about right off the bat anyway um so for the kings when it comes to that pick i'm just looking at athleticism i think whether it's a backup big whether it's a wing player um, you know, the, the Kings were a pretty small team. When you look at it, you know, there there are a lot of lineups where it's Davion Mitchell, um, De'Aaron Fox, Kevin Herter, Malik Monk on the floor at the same time. You know, none of those dudes are taller than six five. And that's you know, that's four guys. So do you can you get a athletic six seven, six eight guy, even Terrence Davis, not a huge guy um for for a backup shooting guard? So I would try to find um, size and athleticism on the wing and maybe somebody like Kessler Edwards, who you like, might be a little bit raw, maybe came from a small school, maybe the college numbers didn't stack up, whatever the the reasons may be, but just somebody that you can develop and at least be out there and help you rebound, help you defend, because to me, those are the areas where the Kings could could really benefit from having depth, just athleticism on, on the outside.
0: Well, Chris, this is not the last time this offseason that I'll have you on. Probably when we get closer to the draft, maybe closer to free agency, the Kings have decisions to make. And, of course, we're going to be breaking down everything. Appreciate all the great coverage that you provided all season long uh, and looking forward to more of it next year. Also, Chris does excellent coverage of the San Francisco 49ers, the Candlestick Chronicles podcast, and the the stuff that he does over there. So if you're a 49ers fan, uh, check that out as well. Chris, appreciate you, my friend. Talk to you soon.
1: Much appreciated, man. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure as always.
0: Big thank you to Chris for joining me here on the Locked on Kings podcast. Always a pleasure. And like I said, we will definitely have him back on in the near future. If you want to respond to anything that Chris and I discussed, uh, please do so. Any names that you might be interested in the Kings go out and getting replacing Harrison Barnes with. Do you want the Kings to bring Harrison Barnes back? These are conversations that we're going to have all off season long, including tomorrow. I'm going to have Kenny Carraway, KC, and D'Lo and KC Radio Show on ESPN 1320, a good friend here of the Locked on Kings podcast. KC is going to join me. We're going to start to get a little bit greedy as Kings fans, get greedy as the Kings organization. Expectations for next year and how they accomplish those expectations. It's not just get back to where the Sacramento Kings were this year. It's taking that next step. It's going forward in what Sacramento Kings fans and the Kings themselves should expect and want out of next season. So we're going to get a little greedy tomorrow uh with Casey, he's a great, great basketball mind. Uh we should have a lot of fun with lot uh, with that. So I hope you will join me for that. If you missed my conversation with the G-man Gary Gerald, Sacramento Kings radio broadcaster, uh I he joined me on yesterday's podcast and we talked about like he just told different stories from the year what it was like winning the defensive player of the game chain, um a, a crazy weather story on the road, uh, what it was like just Uh, broadcasting 3,000 games and getting that kind of recognition and and broadcasting for the playoffs again. G-Man's incredible. It was a really fun, really good conversation, so I encourage you to go and check that out. As for now, we are done. Hope you will join me on tomorrow's episode. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to Locked On Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.